Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Summarize with AI in a click. Writer's block? Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody, it is. Friday, April 21st, 2023, and it is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter space, so you can hear the show shortly thereafter in its entirety on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck, and boy, oh boy, has a lot happened since the last time we spoke. Dana White, last night, did the Dana White fight announcement thing where he was in the studio He screamed at the top of his lungs and announced a whole bunch of things, a whole bunch of fights, some main events, some locations, a whole bunch of stuff came out. And it begins with the mystery being solved. What would be the new co-made event of UFC 288 coming up two weeks from tomorrow? Well... Dana White gave us those answers. It will be a five-round welterweight matchup between, I guess, the number two and number three contenders at 170 pounds, Bilal Muhammad versus Gilbert Burns. The fight is happening at 170, and it's going to be five rounds. It's a damn good fight. And I see a lot of people on social media, they're like, oh, Gilbert Burns is a badass. The dude is crazy. Give him his props. Yes, he should get his props. But you got to give Bilal Muhammad his props as well. This is a great replacement fight. The stakes are incredibly high for both guys. Basically, I mean, it's just for both guys, really. I mean, they're battling just to see who the number two contender is because Colby's going to get the title shot. At this point, we just have to accept this. And the winner of this fight will probably get the winner or be the backup fighter. But man, props to both dudes because you have to imagine, especially if you're Bilal Muhammad, if you lose this fight, you may never get a title shot. It may never happen for you. If you haven't got one by now, you just got to keep winning and winning. And to fight a guy like Gilbert Burns on a little over two weeks' notice in a five-round fight, 
And you're, you're basically putting it all on the line. That's some theater. And who knows if Gilbert Burns would will get a title shot if he loses this fight too. So a lot on the line for both guys. And I, I mean, I couldn't be more impressed with the boldness of both of these individuals. Incredible stuff. We also found out that the original co-main event for UFC 288 between Charles Oliveira and Benil Dariush, it is officially going down. It is on the books for UFC 289, and boy, does that card need it. UFC 289 went from, I mean, just pretty bad to pretty solid. That's going to be a pretty solid main card. Main event is what it is, but the rest of the main card is going to be pretty solid. This is a huge fight, and we'll get some answers at this 155-pound division. That is for sure. Uh, We also found out some other news. Uh, Marvin Vittori, Jared Cannonier will compete at UFC Vegas 75, June 17th. That will be a five-round main event. Kind of the fight we, we sort of expected. The Josh Emmett, Ilya Teporia fight is now back. It's going to happen in Jacksonville June 24th, so those initial reports were accurate. So nicely done. I forget who was the, the fine person who reported that. He was steadfast. People were doubting him. And he was like, mark my words, this is what's going to happen. And, man, he was right. Um, I will say I was told that that wasn't 100% accurate yet. But, like I said, it wouldn't surprise me if it does happen. Here we are. Jacksonville has a made event at 145 pounds. We reported earlier today, uh, about an hour ago, Punahili Soriano said Ricky Dumas will also take place on that card. I'm sure they're going to build that up with a lot of local talents. I would not be surprised to see a guy like Phil Rowe on that card. So we'll see what happens. We have a main event for July 1st. This one kind of threw me off because I'll tell you what, I didn't see the Dana announcement. I actually found out about this fight before Dana announced it. And it was a weird kind of situation because I fell asleep. I fell asleep around 830. I just laid down and next thing I know was like midnight and I wake up and check my phone and I get a text message from a source that Sean Strickland is fighting Abu Magomedov in the main event July 1st. I was like, what? I was like, really? And when I responded to this, I had no idea that Dana had already gone on and, and did his thing, but cause I even responded, really? That's what's happening. And I was like, yeah, I was told yes. And then I was told that it was already announced. So that is the main event July 1st. Very interesting fight. Uh, Very interesting main event to lead into International Fight Week. Sean Strickland, Abu Magomedov. And Dana White also revealed that the July 22nd card uh, will take place in London. It will not be a pay-per-view. It will be a fight night card. Details to follow, which means if they do do two pay-per-views in July, the second will be July 29th. That's kind of what the the schedule was, but I don't even know if Dana really addressed July 29th. But a lot to unpack here. A lot to unpack. A lot of fight announcements. We, of course, have Bellator 294 coming up tonight. I have to talk about this real quick. Uh, Liz Carmouche, the flyweight champion, is defending her flyweight title against a fighter who cannot win the title. 
Deanna Bennett missed weight. She had three attempts, did not make the championship limit. So Liz Carmouche will receive 30% of Deanna Bennett's purse. If she wins, she gets to keep the belt. But if she loses, the title is vacant. Like, I don't get this at all. I don't get this at all. It's just so weird. I, I don't understand it. I don't get it. But that's what's happening. And then we'll, what? They'll fight again for a vacant title? Like, I mean, I get it. Let's, I don't know. It just seems so strange. It just seems so strange. But I don't think Liz Carmouche is going to lose this fight. So it's going to be off or not more than likely. But I thought that was very strange. And then we have a lot of combat tomorrow. Jeez Louise. With, we have Davis Garcia. We have the UFC card. We have Bellator 295 with the best fight of the weekend, especially in MMA. Rafion Stotts versus Patchy Mix. We have influencer boxing up the wazoo this weekend. Just so much going on. So let's go to you all and see what is on your mind. Uh, I don't even know who is first, so I'm just going rando here. Uh, Skyler, kick us off. Hey, Mike. Heck, good morning. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Good, good. I just wanted to mention now that we have the blog, Gilbert, um, I think the UFC, if we're being honest, is playing this right in that they can't give Bilal a title shot as long as uh, Leon is champion. I mean, talk about the most boring lead-up to a fight possibly ever. They already had the fight once. I'm not sure anyone really cared the first time. And now you have a title on the line. If I'm the UFC, I need to find a way to knock him out. And Gilbert might be able to do that. I think the Shavkat was their best shot, and I'm... I know Gilbert or um, Bilal didn't take that for the right reasons, but I think we just got to be honest. We can't give Bilal a shot until Leon's out of there. And literally anyone else as champion, I think would be all right, but it just doesn't make sense. Um, and speaking of that for free for all Friday, what do you think? Um, I've heard so many times that the UFC doesn't have a pay-per-view structure or, you know, it's not really what it used to be or, things like that, but why do we still have it? I'm curious. Um, not only do we still have it, they keep raising the price for it. Does Endeavor purchasing UFC or purchasing WWE make it any less likely or more likely that the pay-per-view structure stays? Because if the UFC really wants to compete with these major sports um, like the NFL, NBA, you would think they would leverage the ABC and ESPN networks for maybe some of these pay-per-view events and get um, some really good viewing numbers. So that's kind of what I got for you today. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. So I, I don't know if I agree with you about the Bilal thing, but there's, there, there's just no way he was getting a title shot after beating Sean Brady. It, it just wasn't going to happen. He was going to have to get another fight. Um, I thought Hamza would have been a great one. I do think Bilal's stock has risen amongst the MMA audience because of the John Anik Colby situation and the way Bilal handled it and kind of took the ball and ran with it. I thought that was very smart on his part. And Bilal doesn't do very smart things often when it comes to getting himself over. But in this case, I think he is about as over as, as he could possibly be right this second. Now, you got to strike while the iron's hot. And I think Bilal realizes that he might need a win, maybe two, before he gets a title shot. So 
getting Shafkat Rachmanov probably still wouldn't have been enough for him to get a title shot. So fighting Gilbert Burns was the best way to do it. Yes, you got to do it on short notice, but if he wins, he's probably going to be the backup fighter and he probably is going to get the winner of Leon and Colby. There's a story there. He stepped in on super short notice to fight Leon. The fight was not going very well for him, but it was far from over. I mean, if you watch Bilal Muhammad fights, he gets better as the fight goes. And yeah, it was just kind of a weird rando main event that came out of nowhere and it ended in such a bizarre way that there is a story there. So the stakes are very high. I don't know. I mean, the winner of this fight is getting the winner of the title shot. There's, I mean, it just has to, because what's the point of taking this fight? Oh, I'm just going to save the UFC. I'm just going to save this card and put on a cool main event, but we're not fighting for anything. They're not fighting for the title shot, but they're fighting to be next in line. And there's really nobody else there. Mazadal is, is no longer a part of the equation for the Leon thing. They're going to do the Colby fight. And then the division will somehow return in some way to some meritocracy of some kind. So the, the biggest que- the, the question I had out of all this, because I was just like, this is a damn good fight props to both guys, is now what do you do with Shafkat Rachmanov? Now what do you do with Shafkat? That's an interesting question. Maybe throw him in there with Sean Brady. Maybe do it International Fight Week. I don't know. Brady talked to my buddy James Lynch and said that there's something possibly being targeted for him for International Fight Week. I think him and Shafkat would be a friggin' great fight. That'd be a good one. Let's go to Omer. Hello, sir. Are you there? I do not hear you. Try again. I'll get you back in. I'm just going all rando here. Uh, Let's go to Terrence. Hello, Terrence. Hey, Mike. What's up, buddy? Not much happy for our day to you. You too. Uh, so I was um, <clears throat> just questioning. So you have um, Chris Dawkins is about to go up, go down to 205. He's on his three, three strike, should be three fight losing streak. Uh, same thing just happened with Tanner Bowser. And then you have Cynthia Calvillo just got cut, unfortunately, after going back to 116 or 115, rather. <clears throat> Do you think a lot of these fighters are doing this as a last resort thing when in fact they should realize sooner that their optimal weight class is like below that because I know for example with Tanner like people have been telling him from the beginning like hey I think you'll be good at 205 Um, and same thing with Chris Dawkins Cynthia was having success there as well and then like with the PI um, they're able to make these cuts a lot easier if they dedicate time to it so do you see more uh, people taking advantage of it earlier to where they think they can go back down to a particular weight class? Or do you think people are going to continue to do this as a last resort? And if they don't win it, then they're pretty much probably going to be cut. And then the other thing that I want to talk about since this uh, Friday, who do you think are going to be in the finals? I know you're going to say Celtics, but uh, on the West, who do you think is going to be the opposite team on that side? That's all I got for you. Thank you. Um, so to answer the first question, 
we've been seeing this for a while. We see a lot of fighters dropping and, and seems like it's kind of shoulder shrugging decisions to, to drop weight. And you see them struggle in a big way to get down. Uh, Calvia was a straw way when she got to the UFC, but this is just kind of her return. So like it was probably a last resort for her, but I thought she fought well against Lupe Godinez. Lupe won, but I didn't think she got the doors blown off her. I thought she fought well. Anybody who bet on her on Cynthia, uh, I thought she was a very live dog. I think Cynthia fought for for your money. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Dacus I'd probably put in the same place as, as Bozer. A lot of people are telling Dacus, like, dude, you should go to 205. A lot of people have been saying that for a while. We were talking about that on BTL yesterday. Jose was saying, uh, you know, everyone's been telling Dacus to go to 205. I think he's a better light heavyweight. And then we found out that he's making the drop as we were doing BTL Live. Uh, but boy, what a what a welcome he's going to get with freaking Khalil Roundtree. He better hope that we don't get Thailand's Khalil, the dude who fought Eric Anders and the dude who fought Modestus Bukoskis, because that could be a very rough night for him. But it's it's weird because like you see like Chris Curtis is a perfect example. Chris Curtis is a welterweight. Like he's he can make obviously eighty five easy, but he's having so much success at eighty five. Like he went hammer and tongs with Kelvin Gastelum, who's still a really good fighter. He lost to Jack Hermanson, but he's beating everybody else. So like what's the point of him going back down to one seventy when he doesn't have to make that massive weight cut and he's still winning fights? Like, even if Chris goes to 170, he'll have success there. But it's not like – I don't think Chris Curtis is going to be a guy who's fighting for a welterweight title. So it doesn't really make sense for him to drop to 170 when he's still winning at 185. But there are different examples. Doc is losing three in a row. Tanner Bozer was struggling. Why not move to 205? But this isn't new. Uh, it's a little more prevalent now seeing heavyweights kind of drop to light heavyweight. But we'll see how it plays out. That's a tough friggin' fight, man. That's a tough – 205 debut against a guy like Khalil Roundtree. And with the NBA, Celtics versus the the winner of the Kings Warriors series. I think that's what we're going to get. I think that's what we're going to get. The Celtics are just going to kill Atlanta. <laughs> they're just, they're just going to run them over, and then they're going to rest and wait for the next series. Because they're just, they're just going to kill Atlanta. It's a great matchup. Couldn't ask for anything more out of a first-rounder for the Celtics. Henderson, hello. Hey, Mike. You too. All right. My devils are ruining my life right now, how bad they're losing in hockey. But uh, other than that, I'm pretty excited that uh, the UFC is coming back to New Jersey. Um, there's no way I can afford to go to this card. The prices are crazy, but um, that's kind of the UFC fan life for you. You know, pay-per-view prices are crazy. Ticket prices are crazy. And I agree with that earlier caller who said now that the WWE and the UFC are together, like they could definitely get some sort of a cable deal and just get all the big cards at least to be on normal people's things that they can afford streaming services and whatever. But Anyway, uh, I'm stoked about the uh, the new fight with the Burns and Blau announced for New Jersey. And it's awesome that it's five rounds. And I, I was thinking of this scheme. I always like to have some sort of crazy scheme if I'm calling in. And uh, I think the UFC honestly should go to more flexibility in how long fights are. Like, we've seen that um, in boxing, obviously, as all different types of rounds and 
we could easily switch to a, a format where like maybe undercard fights are like prelims are like three, four minute rounds. Right. And then you could do main card fights are five, four minute rounds. So it gives you more rounds at least they're shorter rounds at least. So it's not as much like extra time and more breaks in between rounds where they can like show the corners and, and get, go to the, they, the things that the UFC loves to do during the main card anyway. And then for, for title fights, you can make it like seven, four minute rounds or something, you know? So I, I know the UFC has changed in the past, like the length of fights and there were fights without rounds and then they can easily change it again. Right? Like I know the UFC and MMA is kind of more solidified now, but would you think they would ever switch round formats like that or, or make some changes in that way? Because we're starting to see more of these five round fights that aren't main events and aren't even title fights. So just your thoughts on that, man. So, I mean, the, they've been doing the, the five round main events for a while now. Bellator's doing the same thing, whether it's title or no title. Um, we've seen them do five round co-main events. I wish they would do more of that. If we're being honest, like, Justin Gaethje, Raphael Fazeev, five rounds would have been sick. That would have been friggin' amazing. I'm not saying do that. All, not every co-main event is five round worthy, but Benil, Darius, Charles Oliveira should absolutely be five rounds. Like that should be a five round fight. When you have like a, a possible number one contender fight or something with super high stakes and it's a co-main event, I have no issue with it being five rounds. Like they should do more of that. We had Hanato Boycano fight RDA in a five round co-main event on like a week's notice. Like how is that fight worth five rounds? But Gaethje Fazeev was not worth five rounds. Like how, but you also got to get the fighters on board with that stuff as well. And we're not going to see any changes to the round numbers. We're not going to do seven, four minute rounds. I mean, there's the UFC is a powerful organization, but they are not powerful enough to change all of the rules of MMA and make commissions, like, rewrite their rules and, and all of that stuff. So um, not going to happen. I will address the other thing you talked about with the pay-per-view prices and all that stuff. Uh, the ticket prices are redonkulous, but people are going to pay them. And people are just going to pay them. And oftentimes, like we've talked about before, and I know Ariel's talked about it a lot, a lot of places the UFC goes to is because they are paying the UFC to go. So how do these arenas and these places recoup those funds? Well, they have to sell tickets and sometimes you have to sell them at a premium to get some of that money back. And while we would love to sit there and blame the UFC for the pay-per-view prices going up, you can't really do that altogether because that's an ESPN decision more than the, it's a UFC decision. The UFC doesn't, they don't get like a huge bump from pay-per-view buys anymore. Like all that is cherry on top of the Sunday. This deal with ESPN, they are getting paid an ass load of money to just host the cards on their network. So pay-per-view buys are just, they're getting a guaranteed dollar figure, no matter whether you sell one pay-per-view or 2 million, they're getting a huge chunk of money just to host their cards on ESPN and some of the partners they have. So sure, if you sell a million pay-per-view buys, I'm sure they get a little piece of that, but it's not make or break for them. It just isn't. So it's, it's more about the gates and making sure that 
the hosts that pay them, they put together a card that is worth their time and worth the money that people will spend to fill the arenas. That's why they care more about gates and sellouts and all of that more so than pay-per-view buys. That's why we don't even know what the pay-per-view buys are. People can throw out figures, but who really knows for sure, honestly. So, and look, if they bump it at 80 bucks or whatever, that's where they're at right now. And it wouldn't shock me if they don't go up at like another five next year. Most people are going to buy them anyways. Not all of them, but most people are going to spend, like I would buy every single one of them. Sucks, but I would buy them all. Most, a lot of people would. And guess what? ESPN is well aware of that. ESPN is well aware of that. Now, this WWE thing, when they do the network shopping, that's going to be super interesting because WWE's deal is coming up in a year. I think the UFC deal is coming up in two years. Will they package everything together with ESPN? I don't know. I'm not sure. Warner Brothers Discovery, there's reports they're interested in WWE programming. Will they package them together? Will they be separate entities? I don't know. I don't know. I just don't want to see um... – stop it, Shiloh. I just don't want to see WWE go back to like $80 pay-per-views. I don't want to see that happen. I like what they're doing now. makes it much more palatable. But that's going to be interesting. The next couple of years are going to be interesting to see how the television deal is going to work. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Canva. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tristan, hello. Hear me clearly? Yep. Okay. With the Shavkat, that, that's my, I want to get to that Shavkat Rachmanov, what happens with him. My thing is, this is, the, this, this is what I was thinking about. The only thing I could think of, with Sean Brady, I think you match him up against Jeff Neal in July, because I think Shavkat wants to fight on the Abu Dhabi card. So the thing is, 
my thought, here's my thought process as far as the options are concerned for Shopka. Either he gets the loser or he gets the winner of uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson versus Michelle Prieta. And keep this in mind, with Shopka, he wanted either one of those guys the last time out. He wanted to fight Wonderboy or he wanted to fight Michelle Prieta, one of those two. So that would make sense with those two options. The wild card is what happens with Kamaru Usman. What's going to happen with him? Who, who is he going to fight because he wants he's itching to get back in there? So that's the thing. Because you may have a situation where you have um, Leon Edwards versus Kobe Covington and Shavkat Romano with the other options that I just mentioned on the same card for Abu Dhabi. So I think that's, that's, the, that's the way to go, you know, in my thought process. Uh, do, you, do you think that makes sense, hypothetically speaking? Thanks, Mike. I mean, sure. Um, but you can – here's the thing with Shafkot. You have to get him over. We all know who he is. We all understand that he is a menace. But the casual viewing audience has no idea who this guy is. They have no clue. So what you need to do is you need to get this guy active. He cannot – we cannot wait till October to have Shafkat fight. If he can fight in July, he needs to fight in July. And Shafkat is a monster. He might have a tough fight, but I think the goal with Shafkat is I would have had, like I said before, I would have had him still fight on that January card. Just throw him in there with anybody. Let him absolutely run over whoever he was going to fight. Then still have him fight Jeff Neal in March then have him in July, then have him in October. I know that's tough asking for four fights, but that first fight wouldn't even really count because he would just murk whoever he fought. It's just about making this guy look like a killer. So if you can get Shafkat to fight in July against Deshaun Brady or somebody like that and then turn him around in October, that is ideal. That's what you want to do. That's what you want to do. Could they do Brady, Jeff Neal? Sure. I would rather see Brady Shafkot, if we're being honest. But I don't know. I just think that's a really interesting style matchup. Because Brady's a really good grappler. Shafkot's a really good grappler. Shafkot's a is a better striker than Brady, but Brady's striking is getting better. Interesting fight. I don't know. I don't think Wonderboy's gonna fight Shafkot. I don't think we're gonna get ever gonna see that fight. I don't think one. I think Wonder Boy would just be happy training a bunch of future karate champions than fighting Shafkat. That fight just does not interest him. It just does not interest him. Pereira, maybe, maybe. Wonder Boy's forty. I know he wants. I know he's saying he wants to fight for the belt, but he'll take a different path than having to, to deal with Shafkat, I think. But if you can get Shafkat July and October, you got to do it. You got to do it. Uh, we'll go to Four Corner Sports, and we'll go to Anthony. What's up, Four Corner Sports? Hey, Mike. So you guys – so you, in the previous caller, I was just getting to what I wanted to talk about. Um, I was – I agree with you. Shafkat, a lot of casual people don't know who he is. 
We could give him, I would say give him a tune-up fight, put him on International Fight Week, or even this, put Kamaru Usman in there. I know it sounds crazy. I know many people may not agree with it. You may not agree with it. But if Usman does what's it called, get past um, Shafkat, he gets accelerated into a title shot, right? When the Shafkat gets the victory over Usman, then what's it called? One, Usman's a name. Two, a lot of people know who he is just because of the, the fact that he, what's it called? Um, what's it called? If uh, Shavka's able to beat Usman, then what's it called? You know, big name right there on the, on the resume. You can't deny that he might be able to catapult his way up into the title shot and he could just be put on ice and the UFC could just build around him and that can set up possibly for a super fight down the line, you know, if Shavka ever wants to go up to 185 just because he looks like a big 170-pounder. Um, that's just my opinion right there. Um, what's it called? I wanted to ask you also. So, I wasn't really impressed with with, with the selections that Dana White was, was seeing as for like fights. I mean, yeah, Hermanson, Allen, that's cool. Elias Poria, I mean, we already knew what was going to happen. But does this kind of solidify that with all, with all these announcements that it looks like Israel Adesanya might end up fighting uh, Drake is Duplessis? Um, and then also, this, this also solidify that Volkanovski might be the main event for International Fight Week. And last question, who do you think main events um, the London card on July 22nd? Oh, let me unmute myself. I would assume Tommy Aspinall will be the main event. Uh, they'll probably do like Marcin Tybora. Seems like that's what both guys want. It um, doesn't really matter who Tommy Asinal fights on that card. He just needs to fight on it. Both guys want that fight. Seems to make sense to me. That's probably what they would do. Um, the, the fight selections, they're fine. Look, this is like we talked about yesterday. They ain't leaving the apex. They're not. We're not, going, we're not living in a world where every fight is going to be in front of a big crowd. It's not happening. They just don't have enough. They don't. They don't have enough star power to do it. Like, I don't even know how... I love the Josh Emmett, Ilya Teporia fight. It's great matchmaking. But is is that the kind of main event that's going to sell you 15,000 tickets? I don't know. So, to me, this is going to be a Florida-heavy card. Uh, this is going to be guys from that area fighting on that card. Friends and family getting a bunch of tickets. Like, these are the main events you get. When you have the apex, Sean Strickland, Abis Magomedov is one of the weirdest fights that I've ever seen. Like the fight's not bad, but having it headline a card is just, it's a head scratcher. But again, when you have the apex and you have to fill cards and you have to deal with ESPN, um, that's just what we get. We get, our, we get a bunch of middleweight main events. We get Alan Hermanson. That's going to be at the apex. We're getting the Vittori Cannoneers of the world. That's an apex fight. Strickland Magomedov. That's an apex fight. But these are better main events than some of the ones we've gotten in the past, if we're being honest. But the Strickland Magomedov one is a little strange. But this is what happens when you put on a million cards. So my hope is whatever the next TV deal is, that we're... Even if they stick with ESPN, they work out a different deal where there's like eight to ten less cards a year. 
because this is what we're going to get. This is what we're going to get. You can't have Max Holloway fight four times a year. You have good fighters who are ranked, but they're not big draws and they're not big stars. This is what happens. You have 700 fighters on the roster. So what happens when you give out 50 frigging contender series contracts every year? We have to get these guys fights. We have all of these cards, but what are going to headline these? How are we going to sell tickets? The answer is you just, if you don't have a fight that can sell tickets, you throw it in the apex and we sell some tickets there. That's it. So, and the Shafgat thing, look, if he fights Usman, that's a cool fight. But giving him a tuna fight and then Usman, I don't know. I don't know. If you're going to do the Usman fight and Usman's down to go to Abu Dhabi in October, cool, do that. But you can't just... Shafkot needs to fight somebody with some sort of name first. He gets by them. He calls out Usman. You want to do that fight? That's cool. It's got to happen in October. We have to let the Leon Colby thing play out and we have to see what happens with Bilal and Burns because a Bilal and Burns fight this five-round co-main event on short notice, the winner of that is getting the, the, the winner of Edwards and, and Colby. Like, it, it, there's just no other explanation. There's no other purpose to take this fight unless you're just getting a floppity jillion dollars. And I don't think, I think you, both these guys are probably getting a pay cut, but there's probably assurance that you're the backup fighter for the, for the title fight, and then you're going to get the winner. And then to do Shafkat Usman, yeah, I just don't want – I don't even want Usman in the conversation for the belt right now. Like, let him – who knows? Who knows when he's going to fight, who he's going to fight. But I'll tell you what. I'll give, I'll give Usman a ton of credit if he takes most of this year off and then fights Shafkat in October. But as long as it doesn't – I support that, that concept as long as the guy he fights in July is a ranked guy and – we don't mess up the order here. And we don't we don't start screaming from the rooftops, oh, Shafkat's way better than Burns and or Bahamid. No, we got to let this play out. We're almost at a meritocratic place at 170. We're almost there. We're just about there. So let's let this all play out and we'll see how it goes. Uh, let's go to Anthony. What's up, man? Yeah, that Usman Shavkat fight would really muck up the works for uh, Gilbert and Bilal. That'd be pretty, pretty Bilal like to get jumped up like that. And uh, I thought you'd love all these uh, middleweight bouts. I mean, that's your middleest, middleweightiest month of the year. You know, uh, so Mike's many, right there. so many middleweighty middleweight main events. It's incredible. <laughs> hey, well, I was just uh, I had to take umbrage with something. Uh, I love Jose Youngs, but I just had something. He just said that. Uh, was kind of I would say false he said that uh there's like the four princes and I don't even think there's that and uh he said that Ryan would be the the bottom of them but uh I think there's even more than that there's Timo Fimo Lopez Isaac Cruz would be in there George Combosis could be a player and you just don't know because Teofimo Lopez literally destroyed Loma on the cards it wasn't like he flash knocked him out like Cambosis did or something like that so it's kind of tough to say with that. And Ryan Garcia was three and three with Haney in the uh, in the amateurs. So and he's twenty four. So if this fight is kind of even close with uh, Tank, you know, I, I'm giving him the upper hand and going farther in his career. You know, 
because uh, I feel like Tank, yeah, 28, we could see a lot more out of him. But, I mean, what else could we see out of him? He's one of the most accurate uh, punchers, harder, pu- hardest puncher. I mean, the speed only goes down with time. The accuracy is going to go down with time. Uh, Ryan's just, he's so young, dude. And this fight even coming together kind of blows my mind. But if they don't fight the winner of Loma versus Haney, it kind of all goes for waste. Like if I see Loma versus Haney fight some Olympic silver medalist, I mean, Shakur Stevenson would be that Olympic silver medalist, but some other random fucking silver medalist from some random country. I don't know. It would just be like, all right, what are we doing here? Boxing's fucking stupid. But uh, no, I love boxing, and uh, that's that was the first martial art I, I got into, and I, I listened to like Teddy Atlas podcast for a minute and stuff like that, and uh, to hear everybody talk about uh, this this big boxing card and what's gonna happen, or it's kind of pretty f- all funny because it's not even for a strap. All right. That's what do you think? What's your pick? Who wins? Um. I was leaning Ryan Garcia right when it was announced. I was like, oh, then right when I saw the odds, I was like, oh, I'm definitely betting him. Now I'm thinking Garcia's going to look really good for the first six rounds. He's going to surprise a lot of people. But Tank's going to download something and hit him late. And I just feel like it's inevitable. Except if Ryan Garcia makes it a boring fight after eight rounds, after four rounds of doing good work. If he literally sits there and makes it a boring fight, then he can win this all day. I don't see how he can't. Mario Barrios almost beat him, but Mario Barrios was throwing haymakers, and same with Leo Santa Cruz. They were throwing haymakers to, like, round 11. That was stupid. But, yeah, that's all I got. It's going to be a good fight. I I honestly – I think it's going to be closer than most people think. Uh, I think there is value on Ryan Garcia at the odds he's at right now. But you make a great point. To me, he's got to be perfect. He's got to be, quote-unquote, boring. He needs to box. He needs to box. I like the comparison he had when he was talking to Ariel about this fight, when he said, Davis is like Mike Tyson, but I'm going to be like Lennox Lewis. And you got to be pretty damn disciplined to have that kind of of a performance against a guy like Tank Davis. Because there's going to be a point where the heat's going to get to you, but can he say disciplined enough to keep this fight as a quote-unquote boxing match where he's able to move laterally and use his length and use his jab without engaging in in a brawl with a guy like Tank Davis? Can he frustrate Tank? Because Tank just seems like in his own world when he fights. Like, he doesn't even really understand what's happening a lot of times. Like, Jose brought up one of his recent fights where his corner was telling him that he was losing, and he didn't even realize it, and he just went out and bolted a dude. So, it's an interesting fight. I think think it's ton of people are counting out Ryan Garcia. And I think I think Ryan's got a chance, but can he say discipline the entire time and not engage into a brawl? That's gonna be that's the big question I have. Is this movement? Can he move laterally? Can he move like a boxer? Because he doesn't really his movement isn't like what you typically see from Ryan Garcia. The way he moves, it's Kind of plays right into Tank's hands, but can he switch things up a little bit? That's the big question I have. Let's go to Abzualia. We'll get to everybody. What's up, man? How are you doing? Good. So uh, I just have a few questions I want to ask. Um, my first question is, any news on RDA? Um, what potential fight he could have next on you know, a future card? And 
I'll keep this a little bit um, short as possible, but it kind of relates to Hamza Chamar, but also just a general topic of star power. You know, because Hamza, so basically with Hamza, we know he's like arguably the biggest thing that happened since Conor McGregor, but is there a possibility he might not become any bigger than he is if we don't soon see him in the title fight within the next year or so? Because as the way I'm seeing it, we don't know if he's ever going to find the welterweight division again. The fight that he was supposed to have with Usman could have been the biggest thing in that division in a very long time. You know, it was perfect. You know, the upcoming hungry boogeyman lion coming to take over the pound-for-pound dominant number one champ in the world. And obviously that all ended because Leon gave the most iconic head kick in recent history. Then, you know, middleweight, it's like, I think it's a perfect opportunity to still do the Adesanya fight because Adesanya is the biggest star in the sport right now after Conor McGregor. And why wouldn't you want to push Hamza to that level once he beats a top contender in the middleweight? You know, I mean, I don't know. I just think like, and also just in general with other UFC fighters, there's a lot of guys I see who are very good. Like they have potential to be stars like Arnold Allen. Um, I reckon Yare Rodriguez, I think even like Teporia, he's, he's got star potential. Even like um, Aman Sarukian, you know, um, there's a lot of guys, I think, who have star potential. I do believe they have the responsibility of promoting themselves, obviously, but the UFC should do a better job than letting their fighters just pass through as, you know, being regular fighters. Because when you look at other sports organizations, even including boxing, NBA, you know, football, um, hockey, um, not hockey, like MLB, you know, with um, and just other sports, cricket, they all always tend to promote their, like, athletes to the highest level. But in UFC, outside of Conor McGregor and Ronda Rousey and maybe Habib, there's no one who's really been higher big than the organization in general. And um, I'm not, I don't think we'll ever see that again unless truly there are fighters who are willing to play the game very smart and promote themselves to a high level. But, yeah, I mean, uh, what, what do you reckon about this? Do you reckon the UFC should do a better job promoting their fighters in general? Um, thanks for having a good day. I mean, I think sure. Um, but again, the UFC is making money hand over fist. So they must be doing something right. But I get, I get where you're coming from. The thing is, we talk about this all the time. You have to fight. You have to fight. You have to get out there and you have to fight. That's why Kevin, you, you know why Kevin Holland got over so much? It's because he fought. Because he fought so much in 2020. He just kept fighting, kept getting out there and kept fighting and kept going out there and competing and getting his voice out there and being Kevin Holland. No one even knew who Kevin Holland really was before 2020. But he got himself over because... He just fought and looked good and finished people. And that's what got Hamzat over to begin with because he had the two fights early. Then he went in there and just ran dudes over, ran over Gerald Mearshart. And then he has he lost a little bit of steam, and then he got it back when he fought Gilbert Burns. And then he kind of lost steam again. He was going to fight Nate. We all understood what that was going to be. Then he misses weight by a million pounds 
and he fights Kevin Holland and the fight goes the way it is. And he kind of turned heel on everybody, but still sort of an interesting cat. And he hasn't fought since September. Is he fighting at 170? Is he fighting at 185? He's calling out this guy, this guy, and this guy. Like, that's great. But you got to fight. You got to fight. That's how you get over, is you fight and you get out there. That's why Bilal's going to get, that's why Bilal's about to get over. That's why Gilbert Burns is about to get over, because they're fighting all the time. They're fighting often. They're in the news and then they fight. What hurts Tom's eyes, they're probably going to have to wait till freaking October. It's going to be over a year. It's going to be 13 months between fights. That can't happen. That can't happen. So I think for him, it's just fighting. It's just fighting. And same, I say the same thing about Taporia and Sarukian and all these guys. But it's hard. The problem is it's you fight and you get these wins – and people get excited for you, and then it's a matter of getting the right matchups. 155, very difficult to do. Gamrock got the Benny Dariush fight. Fazeev got the Gaethje fight. Sarukian had to fight Moikano and Izmagulov. After, in my opinion, he beat Matush Gamrod. So, yeah, it's just getting out there and fighting. That's the thing about Shafkot. Like, I think Shafkot can get over. But he's got to fight. He's got to fight often. You can't fight twice a year if you're going to become a star. You've got to fight a lot. That's how you get over, is you fight. You can tweet all you want, but that's not going to do it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's go to JD, CV, then Emilio, and then we'll go to Sivaram and Ani. JD, hello. Oh, I hope that your Dunkin' Ice Coffee is treating you well today. It is. Um, awesome. Uh, as a little uh, a side note, uh, I love that uh, Bobby Green is now just going to be king. That's such a boss move. Speaking of kings... Good luck to Jed Mishu on his marathon this weekend. Jed, you're going to kill it. Um, all right, so I only got one question for you. I'll keep it short. Uh, Bilal Muhammad, uh, I got him versus Gilbert Burns. Um, I think that his analytical mind and his approach is going to be the factor in this fight. Um, and uh, anyway, so because he always, always happens to bungle the call out, how bad is he going to bungle it this time? Who's he going to call out? And why is it someone like Brock Lesnar? Thanks, Mike. Later. <laughs> uh, he, he, you can't bungle this one. You can't. You can't. Even Benil Darius wouldn't screw this one up. It's right there. You know what you're getting. You know what you're fighting for. It's right there. So he can't bungle this one up. It's an interesting fight. Would it shock me if Bilal won? No. 
Am I picking him right the second? No, I'm picking Gilbert Burns. But I could be dead wrong. It's a really good fight. And yes, props to Jed for his marathon running. Let's go. CV, hello. CV, you're muted. Okay, no CV. Emilio. Sup, Mike? What's up, man? Not much, not much. Just uh, here, like I said uh, yesterday, getting ready for an awesome weekend of boxing. Uh, I'm originally an MMA fan, and then I kind of became a boxing fan over the years. So uh, everybody should chill the F down when I say this. Uh, or rather, eh, I mean, I, this is my question or my topic of uh, for today for you, and that is, do you think that this could be, in general terms, a better, bigger year for boxing than for MMA? Uh, with all the fights that have been going on, or, well, yeah, the fights that have been going on up until this point in the year, you know, with Plant against Benavides and, uh, what's it called, yeah, uh, Ryan fighting Tank tomorrow. And, I mean, this is all theoretical because nothing there's no fights have been agreed to or like there's no deals in place but uh, if Crawford against Spence happens like everybody's saying it's gonna happen you know fool me once shame on you fool me twice you know that how that goes and then eventually in December uh this Saudi Arabia boxing bonanza that they're talking about of Fury against, uh, uh, who is it? Like Fury, AJ, Wilder, and who am I missing? Music. Thank you very much. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Do you think that it could be a bigger year for boxing than for MMA? And overall, what's your stance on the relationship between MMA and boxing uh, in terms of? Is a good year for boxing good for MMA or vice versa? Are they two things that are completely different from each other? Um, I mean, they are, but you know what I mean. Is it a symbiotic relationship or not so much? Anyways, that's it. Let's go, Tang. Let's go, Ryan. I'm not even rooting for anybody in particular. I'm just looking forward to a good fight. I think that's what we're going to get. And uh, have a heck of a weekend, Mike, and have a heck of a weekend to everybody else. I mean, it's, boxing is – there hasn't been one UFC fight that has been bigger than the biggest boxing fight. There just hasn't. This notion that boxing was dying and all that, it's just not – it's just overblown. It's just overblown. Now, there are things about the boxing model that frustrate the shit out of each and every one of us, and I totally understand where that comes from. We're not getting the big fights and all that. Um, we're not getting the fights who deserves. There's no meritocracy, blah, blah, blah. It's the same thing with the UFC. And the biggest boxing fight is going to draw more interest amongst MMA fighting viewers than any UFC fight. Unless maybe Connor's involved. And he hasn't been involved in a while. So, I mean, it just depends on how you gauge it. 
it just depends on how you gauge it. Like which sport will have more interesting storylines. I don't know. Will the UFC have more overall successful events than one boxing promoter? Probably. But their biggest fight is going to be bigger than any UFC fight. It's going to make more money. It's going to have more eyeballs on it. People are going to be talking about it more. I don't know if the UFC can put on, outside of maybe the Conor Chandler one, I don't know if they do a single pay-per-view this year that is going to do more than this Davis Garcia fight's going to do. So it just depends on how you look at it. But to say that like the UFC just kills boxing every year and has been doing it for a few years, this is wrong. It's not true. It's just not true. So it depends on what your analytics are. I think that question is probably going to be answered by each individual and what they care about. But overall business, I mean, this fight's going to do massive business. Every Tyson Fury fight does massive business. The big heavyweight fights do massive business. If he fights Usyk, it's going to be ginormous. Ginormous. Jake Paul versus freaking Tommy Fury did better than most UFC pay-per-views are going to do this year. That's a wrap. Jake Paul Nate Diaz is going to be huge. I don't know if there's a UFC pay-per-view that does better than that. So it, I guess it just depends on what your definition of success is. CV. Oh, Mike, can you hear me? Got you, yep. Yo, my bad. I was talking to my boss. Um, two quick questions for me. Uh, my bad if they've been asked already because I missed the whole um, previous nine callers or whatever. Um, first question. Um, yeah, the, the Strickland versus Mago made up main event. I don't know about you, but that was um, – Super, super random. Like, like, what are the stakes of that? Like, if Magomedo wins, are they giving him the, the Alex uh, treatment where they just fast-track him to the belt? And um, second question, since it's free-for-all Friday, uh, I was watching BTL yesterday, and I think you guys were talking about walkout songs. Um, if you were a fighter, uh, what would be your walkout song? And, um, yeah, have a heck of a vacay, and thanks for all the content. Thanks, man. Yeah. I think this is a. I think this is just a Sean Strickland thing. Sean wants to fight. Probably said yes to most things, and Sean was getting turned down left and right. He was talking about maybe going up to two hundred five just to get a fight, and somebody said yes, and I think that's kind of where this ended up. So that's what I think. It is a kind of it is a super random fight, but I think this is like. Hey, Sean, this dude wants to fight you. We'll do it in a main event. He was like, okay, I'll fight him. I don't care who it is. That's just kind of how Sean Strickland is. So that's where I gauge from that. Man, what would I walk out to? I don't know. There's so many. There's so many songs. It would have to be like a 90s hip-hop song of some kind. Very underrated jam. I am a big fan of like House of Pain. Like I know Jump Around's the big one, but uh, The Have Nots by House of Pain is a badass song. Something from Gangstar would get me all fired up. Um, I don't know. It just kind of depends on what mood I'm in. Maybe I want to sing myself to the cage. And then there's the options are a plenty there. So but yeah, I could I could see myself walking to like The Have Nots.
by House of Pain. All right, we're going to go rapid fire with these last five, and then I got to go. Sivaram, hello. It's an early question to you, but uh, anyway, uh, who you got on uh, Belal versus uh, Bunch, and how do you think the fight would play out? That's it, man. Uh, I'm picking Burns as of right now. I have to dive into it a little bit more. I think Bur- I just think Burns is really good. Not saying Bilal is not. I just think what Bilal does well, Burns does well also, and probably better than Bilal. Like I, I think Burns' grappling is way better. Obviously, Jujitsu is way better. I think Bilal could strike with volume, but I think Burns could hurt Bilal a lot more than Bilal can hurt Burns. It's a good fight. Like this is a, it's a high stakes fight, but I just, there are very few guys that I would, there are very few guys that I would, uh, I would not pick Gilbert Burns to beat right now. And I know I came on here and said that if you were betting, you should probably bet on Jorge Mazadal against Gilbert Burns, but it wasn't because I thought Mazadal would win. I just thought that the lines were too wide and I didn't take into account that Mazadal was just completely done as a fighter. Um, but that's what happened. I thought even like 80% of Mazadal was, was a closer fight than we got with Gilbert Burns. And we didn't even have, we didn't have that. And he had sort of admitted that himself just wasn't the same guy. And had a million things happening. But yeah, I think I think Burns is the better fighter. I think it's probably gonna go the I think it'll probably go to the cards because Bilal is tough as shit. Um, but I think Burns is, can wear him down. And I know Bilal is a really good gas tank, but so does Gilbert. I know he just fought, but Gilbert's used to fighting all the time. So yeah, I'll go with that. All right, keep let's keep this uh, rapid fire going. Uh, let's go to Ani. Hello. I actually had a bit of a rant, but I'll try my level best to keep it down. Um, I, I actually sent a tweet out to you, and since we have AK over here, he can just listen to it. I mean, he doesn't have to respond. Uh, so my best friend, AK, that is. Uh, so we have um, MMA at its finest. You know what I mean, Mike? Like, uh, if you look at what I sent, I said, you know, when you see matches such as Mirab versus Jan or Aldo or any other top five title contention fights or Vera versus Cruz or Edgar versus Gutierrez or Shogun versus Ehor or Aljamain Sterling versus Henry Saudo or any five round Sean Strickland fight, all of these are MMA. Like this means MMA at its finest. Do you know what MMA stands for in this case? matchmaking atrocities. That's exactly what it stands for. All of these are matchmaking atrocities. And I've been going off about, you know, Aldo versus uh, Devalishvili was not the fight to make. I mean, we all know that as well. And I just don't understand why um, Sean Strickland is being given five-round main events. I really don't understand. Okay, do it in Apex. I don't really care. I mean, there was a point when I told you that I actually don't mind a couple of Apex fights because, you know, sometimes we could use that platform to build stars. 
rather than having Sean Strickland versus uh, Abbas uh, Magomedov, I do not understand why did they put him in. Um, they could have put maybe Sean Strickland versus Kelvin Gastelum, or maybe Gastelum turned it down. But if not, at least you could have had Erin Blanchfield versus Tyler Santos. What a good fight that would have been. Or have Amanda Lemos versus Tatiana Suarez. Give this platform to strawweights and flyweights so that they can be stars and then you can use them to sell out arenas. You need to use the apex to build these lesser known, highly talented mixed martial artists. Only then will you be able to sell out arenas. This was, this is a bit of a rant, but the uh, one question that I had for you is, you know, in your uh, line of work, as in people like you, AK, Jed, of course, and, you know, Ariel and everyone, you get to, you're usually on the side of receiving end of a lot of flack from a lot of people. And sometimes uh, criticism is constructive, sometimes it is not. I just wanted to know, like ever since you've started your work as uh, a media member or an MMA journalist, uh, how have you grown in taking the criticism as in is there any specific type of criticism that you appreciated and was there a criticism that you absolutely just couldn't stand i'm pretty sure that was there and how did you you know sort of grow in all this process uh in 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 all these years in especially in terms of taking criticism that's my question for free for all friday thank you happy thanks man Oh, yeah. Happy whatever you're going to say to you. Um, look, I, I just learned, and this is something that I've kind of learned all my life, is that not everyone's going to like you. And that's cool. I ain't for everybody. I'm just not. Not everybody likes vanilla ice cream. Not everyone likes cookies and cream. Cookies and cream is delicious. But just because I like it doesn't mean everybody else is going to like it. And... I will say, like, it was it was tough for me when I first got to MMA fighting because, you know, the way MMA fighting was was being looked at at the time and, and probably for the year or two before that was, oh, it's a dying breed. They lost Ariel and Luke and Ramundi and Shaheen Al-Shadi and everybody left for ESPN or The Athletic or all these different endeavors. Um, but I didn't understand that. Because you had guys like AK, uh, who I would do some certain... Like, even before I got to MMA fighting, I was doing things with Jose. I worked with Jose uh, over at Fansided for a while. Uh, had a lot of respect for him. Did a lot of stuff with AK. With AK. Uh, before Between the Links went to MMA fighting, Between the Links was a totally different show on a different network. And AK was a guest. Uh, AK and I would do, like, Contender Series recaps. We would watch the Contender Series and we would like do live recaps on my YouTube channel that nobody really watched. But AK was, was great. It's like we were destined to be best friends because I just wanted AK to do shows with me all the time. And I knew the talent. And Damon I, was a guy that I've always done different stuff with. Um, I always thought Damon was like an underrated voice in the sport. Super knowledgeable. And I knew the pieces. Were, and then, you know, obviously you heard about Guillerme. And, you know, Jed, I knew a little bit, but once I got Jed on BTL, I was like, oh, dude, this kid's, this dude's a friggin' star, uh, whether you like him or not, because he has opinions and people needed to hear him. And it was tough. And then it was just a matter of like, 
how do I, because I knew I wasn't going in to like replace those guys. You know what I mean? Like when you have Ariel and you have Luke and you have all these big names, like at first I felt like so much pressure, you know what I mean? And then I realized like, there's no way I can replace those guys. It's impossible. Absolutely impossible. So at first it's just like, how do I want to do this? Like, how do I want to find my voice? And how do I get comfortable with this big space? Like how are all these people who never even knew I existed going to take to me as I come in? And for me, it was just put your head down and go, just go and do as much as you can and and do whatever. And then eventually I got really comfortable with everything where it was like, I can't replace these guys and management and, and the people who were above me were pushing me to just like, do you bro. Like just be you do what you do and just be yourself. And we accept that. We want you to try these different things. They're pushing me to get out of my comfort zone a little bit and do different projects that I never did before. And I started to get comfortable. Um, And then with the criticism stuff, like, again, that was part of it too. Like, oh, well, where's Ariel? Where's Luke? All that. And I would read the comments and just be like, why am I, why am I doing this to myself? Um, But I think eventually I would read them and then like things started to calm down a little bit and people started to like catch on, I guess, with not just me, but like all of us together, getting everybody out there. Everybody was on camera. Everybody was doing more stuff. And I don't know. I think we're in a really good place right now. We're not like, it's a, it's a different generation of, of MMA fighting. And I love this generation. I think we're in a great spot. Obviously Ariel's back and Sean's back. And I think we're doing a lot of things that, that not a lot of other people are doing. Um, no one's putting out more programming than we are just not, it's just not happening. The amount of content we put out on a weekly basis, no one's touching that. I am close, not even close. And I just learned to like kind of ignore it. Like sometimes I'll look at the comments and sometimes I'll laugh and I'll bring it up here and hash it out with all of you. Uh, but for the most part, it's just, they're just negative ass mofos out there who just hate everything and i think like a lot of the criticism is some of it's warranted and then some of it's just like well i would have done this and i would have done this and my response is always okay go do it then go do it go get colby on and you ask colby whatever you want go ahead do it better i I want you to i want you to do it better and then they don't and that's it so i've just learned to live with it I'm having fun. Most of the people are enjoying the content uh, from all of us and couldn't ask for better. Couldn't ask for more, but it took, I will admit it took a minute to get there because of course, like you want to look at the comments and see how people are reacting to you. But then I just got to the point where I'm just like, I think we're good. I think we're in a good place right now. All right, we got three more in line. We'll get to all three of you. Daniel, Foran, Sniper, and Pella. And then we gots to go. Daniel, hello. 
Hey, what's up, Mike? I think I actually get to say happy Friday today. Uh, I think I'm on the right <laughs> day now. So <laughs> um, there you go. But yeah, man, you know, I'll, I'll keep it short here uh, just to end it off, I guess, on this uh, main event coming up tomorrow. Pavlovich Blades, I mean, do you think this fight gets to round two? If you want to talk about how you think it goes, let me know. But uh, just j- just kind of curious if you think this even goes over five minutes. Have a good Friday, Mike. Thanks, man. <clears throat> it might not. I'm going Curtis Blades second round TKO. That's what I'm going with. I think it goes under the seven and a half minute mark. I think Blades has a really good first round. Pavlovich survives, and then Blade just takes him down again and then just beats the hell out of him until the fight's over. So, yeah. That's how I see it. I think it'll get out. I'm picking it gets out of the first, but not by, not by much. That fight's not going to the cards. Four on Cypher, hey, hello. Can you hear me? Yep. Hey, so, unfortunately, Daniel sort of took my question, but it's all good. I got another one for you. Um, what are the chances that we can get you on No Bets Barred? I'd like to hear you, uh, hear you inside on a few fights that uh, that are coming up in the near future, and that's pretty much it. Uh, if those gentlemen would like to have me, I would be uh, I'd be thrilled. I have been on No Bets Barred before. It was be what card was it? The Singapore is right before the Singapore card, UFC two seventy five. I think that was the card. And I, uh, I picked some good underdogs on that card. Jake Matthews is one of them. That might have been like my best pick. I think it was 275. Let me just pull up the card and make sure I'm right. Yeah, Jake Matthews. I remember Jake Matthews being an underdog. Was it that card? Yep, Jake Matthews, Andre Fialio. Um, Jack Della Maddalena, um, Josh Kulaba was a good underdog pick. I actually took a flyer on Jacob Alcoon against Brendan Allen. I actually thought that was a really good bet. Didn't really go down in that way, but it was a close fight. But yeah, it was fun. I, I like to, I don't bet at all, but I like to look at the odds and I like to look at perceived value and I like to look at things like when I make picks, like how I would do it with hypothetical dollars. And I do it honestly. Like I'm just like, well, I would put this fake $25,000 on this plus 18,000 underdog because I know that wouldn't work. But when I look at how I see fights and I look at the betting lines, I do like to look at them and survey the scene kind of. Like if there's value, if there's dog value on certain things, like looking at, the card tomorrow. There's some pretty live dogs on this card. I think Priscilla Cachuera is a live dog. Um, I think Christos Giagos is a live dog. Um, there's not a ton of live dogs on tomorrow's card, but there's some. But there's some. But I like to. I, I, I view a fight like by percentages, and if I think the betting line's off, then I will talk about it. Um, but I'd go on no bets barred for sure if they want me to hop in. Let's try to get Pella in here, and then mm. that's it. What's up, man? Yeah. Um, so what do you think about Easy versus um, Drakers? And um, what do you think about, I don't know, 
what do you, I think Ankalai of Megumega and Alex Pereira would be a good fight. Um, and what do you think about Darius not being the number one contender in the lightweight division? And again, I think Gilbert Bones is just going to win that match because it's for two times this year already, and I, I think Gilbert Bones is a, is a beast. You know, yeah. That's what I have. Thanks, man. Um, I mean, the Darius thing we've talked about a lot. Uh, he will certainly be the number one contender if he beats Charles Oliveira on June 10th. And even if Charles Oliveira doesn't make it, Benny will be the number one contender. That's kind of what it sounds like to me. Um, with you on the Gilbert Burns pick, is he DDP if it happens? I think, I mean, I would, I would certainly take Izzy without much hesitation. I like DDP. He's a good fighter. Action-packed. You know he's going he's, he's gonna to give you everything he's got, and he's going to make things chaotic. But there's just so many defensive tendencies that are just a problem. There's just going to be big problems for him that Izzy's going to take advantage of. It will be fun while it lasts. This will not be a point-striking fight. This will not be the cannoneer fight. But DDP will try to invoke the chaos clause, which will in turn make Adesanya react to that. But I just think I think Adesanya absolutely ra- just roasts DDP. Um, it's not disrespectful. Like, I just don't think DDP's quite ready for this. I don't think he's quite ready for this. I think this probably will end up being the fight we get. But I just don't know if he's ready. I don't know if he can clean up those deficiencies fast enough. I don't know. But, yeah, I think Izzy would have value at minus 550 or, or below. Like, I think, it's, I think he's a, Izzy's a humongous favorite in that fight. So there you go. All right, we are done, folks. Thank you very much. Uh, we got to go. Jack, I saw you in there. My bad, uh, but I got to go. Uh, we do have a preview show, 1 p.m. Eastern. We will preview uh, the UFC card. We'll preview Bellator 295. Probably answer some questions. It'll be kind of chaotic. And then, yeah, a lot going on tomorrow. Uh, Jed's running a marathon. I'm competing in my first uh, CrossFit competition. Uh, in the morning, it's going to be a, a beast. So, so I'll be doing that. And then as soon as that's over, I'm going to come back, take a shower and I'm hopping right on board. We got influencer boxing. We got the UFC, we got Bellator, we get tank Garcia, all sorts of craziness. So we'll have you covered MMAfighting.com for that. Uh, then AK and I will do on to the next one on Sunday. And then I'm off for like a week and a half. Uh, AK is going to host this show in my absence. So he will do the three shows next week and he will do the Tuesday more than likely the following week. And then I will be back for the Thursday, Friday shows ahead of UFC 288. So there will be a Lee of the morning, Lee of a morning, a name to be worked on and finalized in the next coming days. Um, But get ready for Lee of a morning. 10 a.m. Eastern this Tuesday. Uh, I'm going to walk him through how to do all this stuff and we'll go from there but thank you all very much you are the best and if i don't see you and i'll hear from you all 
Uh, we'll see you in about a week and a half right here on Heck of a Morning. But don't miss Lee of a Morning. Goodbye, everybody. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until that presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case unexplainable. It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com, designed for work.